0: Hey, what's up everybody, and thank you for hitting the play button on the Derek Diamond Experience. And this week, you'll be hearing my conversation with filmmakers Jeffrey Frame and Zach Kepner. But first, I want to tell you about a great album by my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. It's called Murder Mystery Night and features 10 original tracks, including their single Carne Asada and Twin Peaks, which is also the theme song of the Derek Diamond Experience. You can find Murder Mystery Night on iTunes, Amazon, Google Music, and Spotify, And if you want to follow them on social media, just find them on Facebook. Search for The Unicorn Wranglers. And they're also on Instagram and Twitter, at uwranglers. That's at U-W-R-A-N-G-L-E-R-S.
1: You are listening to the Derek Diamond Experience.
0: Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience for the week of August 6th, 2015. As always, I'm coming to you from the Gulf Coast of Pensacola, Florida. It's a very nice Wednesday here in Pensacola, Florida, as I sit here in the home of my illustrious girlfriend, Margo, recording this open. And speaking of Margo, we had a very relaxing weekend this past weekend. I had what I like to call the four-day weekend, so... We did a lot of binge-watching, we watched a few movies, and three of those I got to see for the first time. The first one is Django Unchained, starring Jamie Foxx, and was directed by Quentin Tarantino. And this was a very intense movie. I I had heard that it was uh, from several people I know that have seen it, and it came out, I believe, back in 2012, so... It's been out for a little while, but it's got several others. It's got Christoph Waltz, Leonardo DiCaprio, and several other actors. But I really enjoyed this movie. You could tell it was definitely made in the Tarantino style, which I'm a fan of. And having a Western setting, I'm actually a sucker for a good Western. So I was excited to see it, and I've had it on Blu-ray for a while, and we just finally decided to sit down and watch it. So I really enjoyed that one. We did watch Guardians of the Galaxy again. And it was the second time I've seen it, first time I've seen it since I saw it on opening night when it came out in theaters last year. But it reaffirmed my opinion that this is the greatest movie that Marvel Studios has done since it was created back in 2008. And it's just a fun, fun summer movie. It reminds me a lot of Star Wars in a way. Like, the effects are great, in this movie, but it's more about the characters and the relationship between the characters. You really get to know and feel for Star-Lord, Gamora, Rocket, Drax, and even Groot. Groot might be my favorite character in that whole movie. Originally, it was Rocket the first time I saw it, but after watching it for a second time, I really, really liked Groot, and that had a great cast as well. Michael Rooker was great, uh, my only complaint about that movie was the villain Ronan the Accuser, which Marvel, and I've said this on previous podcasts, but that's been Marvel's weakness, is they haven't had a really strong villain since they've started doing their own movies. But I'm hoping that Thanos changes that once he finally comes into the fold with Avengers Infinity War in a couple of years. But I have faith that he's going to be that villain that we're all looking for. And Josh Bronan cast as Thanos was... Excellent choice. Excellent casting choice. The third movie we watched was a movie that I had never seen before, and once I admit this on air for the second time, because I mentioned this on the Nerd Cave this past week, I watched Jaws for the first time, so now I feel I have to give back my film buff card, because this is possibly the most iconic summer movie of all time. This set the standards for a summer blockbuster. You've got... A giant mechanical shark, which actually came across a lot better than I thought it was going to on film. You've got a young Richard Dreyfus. The acting was good. It was suspenseful. The, the score was excellent. John Williams is king. Hans Zimmer is great, and there are many other great modern composers like Michael Giacchino. But John Williams is king, easily. So many iconic themes. Jaws, Superman, Star Wars. You can't beat him. But Jaws was really fun. I I really, really enjoyed it. And then the last one was Shawshank Redemption. And I've heard about this movie for a long time because it's actually my dad's favorite movie of all time. And my mom really likes it too. And anytime it's on, they'll sit down and watch it. But I've never watched it from start to finish. I'd seen bits and pieces of it on TV when I was a kid. But never having sat down and watched it, this was an incredible incredible movie the acting was great I, I love Morgan Freeman who doesn't love Morgan Freeman and I can't remember the actor's name but the guy who plays the warden was really really good but it was a really good movie too it's kind of hard to pick which one was my favorite um, I guess from a historical movie standpoint I would say Jaws but just enjoying the movie I think I've got to go with Shawshank Redemption. Because, like I said, Morgan Freeman was great in it. Tim Robbins was... That was the first thing I had really seen him in. And it was just great. If you haven't seen any of those movies, I highly recommend watching them. Especially Shawshank Redemption. Because it is a very inspirational and incredible story. But as far as other things that are going on with me, I will be at the Pensacola Comic Convention this weekend, August 8th and 9th, at the Pensacola Interstate Fairgrounds. It's going to start at 10 a.m. and ends at 6 p.m. And there's quite a few big names that are going to be there. You've got Randy Couture, possibly the most famous MMA fighter of all time, Uh, Rocky Johnson, former wrestling tag team champion and father of The Rock, and Karen Parsons, who played Hillary Banks on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And what's cool about her is... I have confirmed an interview with her for this upcoming Sunday. So, next week on the Derek Diamond Experience, you will be hearing from Karen Parsons. So, if you are a huge Fresh Prince of Bel Air fan, I would definitely recommend that you listen to the episode because we've been talking over email and she's been incredibly nice with this whole interview process. And I can't wait to meet her and several other guests. In person, and I'm hoping to get a few other interviews for this podcast as well. But if you are in the Pensacola area, definitely check out Pensacola Comic Con. You can find out their guest list on PensacolaParacon.com. And speaking of Pensacola, my guests this week are from the Pensacola area. I've got two local filmmakers, Jeffrey Frame and Zach Kepner, who came on the show to promote a, a really cool project that they're doing. They recently completed production on their film called Infidelity, which actually ended up being a feature. And it stars Jeffrey Frame, Christina Cusack, and former Derek Diamond Experience guest Michelle Rhodes in kind of a drama-thriller type movie. And they'll be showing that, along with a few other films that they've done over the years, at the Pensacola Little Theater on Monday, August 17th at 7 p.m., and if you want to get tickets, you can get tickets at the little theater, but you can also get them online for $8 at films.yapsody.com. That's Y A P S O D Y.com. And rather than ramble more about this subject, I will let them tell you themselves. So sit back and enjoy this wonderful conversation I had with Jeffrey Frame and Zach Kepner. <laughs> And we're back here with my very special guest this week Filmmakers Jeffrey Frame and Zach Kepner Guys, how you doing? Doing pretty good, pretty good Good, good So met you two for the first time uh, in person here. I wanted to ask you both before we get into the film stuff are both of you guys from Pensacola originally?
1: Well I am I was born and raised here so
2: I'm a native. You've yeah. never actually left the city have you? I
1: No I've never lived anywhere else. Really? Yeah. Wow. I've traveled quite a bit but never lived. Oh anywhere. so you have left the city. I have. <laughs>
0: you <laughs> meant <yeah>. literally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Where all have you traveled to? Oh, Anywhere interesting, like out of the country, or um, I have
1: traveled um, overseas. I've been to Germany, um, Holland. I'm trying to think of all those places. I've also been to Costa Rica and Mexico, Canada. So
0: very cool. Yeah, yeah. The farthest I've been away from here is I think Tennessee. So oh. I've never never left the Southeast. So, no, that's cool. I, I have a friend who's in the military who's stationed in Italy. And he, he loves it over there. And he's been to Germany, too, and he said it's really nice there, oh, too. Oh, it's nice. Yeah.
1: The
2: motherland. The, mo- the motherland.
0: <laughs> what about you, Jeff? Um, I've
2: almost been a Floridian all my life, but not quite. I was born in Tampa. Okay. Cool. Moved here when I was about 10, 9 or 10. And uh, moved to Maryland for a little bit just when I was in middle school. But I went to California for three years to go to film school. And then ended up back here. Where'd you go to film school at? Chapman University in Orange, California. Oh, cool. The city of Orange in Orange County.
0: The city of Orange. I like that. So was, with film, was that something that you always knew you wanted to do when you were a kid? Or was it something that just kind of came along later at some point? I did not want to make
2: movies when I was a kid. I, that was not on my radar. For the longest time, I wanted to draw I wanted to draw cartoons, um, wanted to make comic strips, stuff like that. And it was when I was in my early 20s. I think I maybe just finished college, and I started thinking, it'd be fun to make a movie or a short film or something like that. And I think I've always liked telling stories, Mm -hmm. but it just never occurred to me to try to do it in a film until really after college.
0: So, going back to comic strips, you said you wanted to draw and draw comic strips. Were you into comic strips or comic books when you were younger?
2: I was never really into comic books, um, but I did love comic strips.
0: What type of comic strips?
2: Um, Well, Calvin and Hobbes, the go-to comic strip.
0: That's always the first one that jumps out whenever I ask that question.
2: Um, The Far Side, for sure, and... Um, there was one time when I was on a trip with my family And we stopped at a library And this was down in the Keys Maybe like Key Largo or something I don't know why we were stopping in a library That seems really odd to me now But there was a book um, Of Chester Gould's uh, Dick Tracy comics mm-hmm. And I just thought those were the, the coolest thing ever um, Just the way that he <clears throat> The way that he rendered the characters and
0: They have a very unique look to them Like As soon as you see it You know it's Dick Tracy
2: yeah, there's nothing nothing quite like it and there's a lot of like stuff in shadow, a lot of dark areas, mm-hmm. which is very unusual today. And um I mean he must have just been churning those out just day after day for years cuz there's there's so many of them. It's just ridiculous. I mean, if you were to try to read through the collection, it would take you days if you were doing nothing else.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember when I was a kid, I went through a phase where I loved to read the the Sunday comic strips in the Sunday newspaper. I, Garfield was always something I enjoyed because I loved the cartoon as a kid. So I'm like, oh, here's a little Garfield comic strip, and then from there I read other ones. But you know, I I think comic strips are extremely underrated. Well, the the
2: thing that I think I love the most was when a story just kept going. Mm -hmm. And um, Calvin and Hobbes does that sometimes, not all the time, but I think the ones that I liked the most, it was like, okay, we're going on this journey and now we're encountering something on the journey. And rather than just the, you know, the one joke and we're done. I just, I just loved that. So Mm -hmm. I think that kind of fed into wanting to make films later
0: on. What about you, Zach? What what was something that kind of inspired you to want to make films? Was it something you always wanted to do?
1: Well, as far back as I can remember, I think. Um, I mean, as a kid, um, at some point, my parents had gotten a video camera, and it was just like an instant connection at that point. So I've always wanted to do um, movie making, really um i mean there's pictures of me with you know like a slate the clapperboard thing Mm -hmm. and uh so that's just um but in my later years in college i didn't pursue it i i considered it wanted to go to film school and wound up going into music which is also something i've done as a child so um but the two are pretty connected i think in a lot of ways um creativity creativity
0: Creativity. <laughs> so w- with music, do you play like guitar or like what specific type of music?
1: Um, I play piano. Oh, cool. So, Very cool. And I um, always wanted to write music. I don't know if I'm that great at it, but um, it's been neat. He's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's been neat as a filmmaker to explore that avenue because I'd, I have written so. written several of the scores for our movies, so...
0: I tried playing piano a couple of times but I don't nearly have the coordination to do it. I was actually in marching band when oh, I was okay. in high school. Yeah, I played trombone. Right. Haven't played in years, but it was it was something that was a lot of fun. And you know, my my dad can play the piano a little bit, but I've tried it several times and I just not very coordinated enough to do that. But for both of you like what what was the specific thing that made you want to get into filmmaking? Was it like a specific movie? Or like, what exactly was it?
2: That's a great question. <laughs> <clears throat> I always loved uh, Indiana Jones. And uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is still my favorite film. So that... that I'm sure that had a big part to play in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was something about telling stories in that window. Like the the window of the comic strip frame or the window of a movie. And yeah it's somehow it just tran- transitioned over I and mean, i still love doing comic strips but um I th- what that usually translates to now is i'll do a storyboard and then we'll try to make that work into a film
1: uh it's hard to pinpoint it to one specific thing um for me i i love all the aspects of it uh the behind the scenes the making of the movie just the process of it to me it's just really exciting um creating something so i've always just had a fascination of just what's involved and making that work come together um i think movies like he mentioned you know indiana jones things that are special effects types movies have always been just the appeal Mm -hmm. um maybe that's comes from as a kid i i dabbled into magic tricks and things like that and so it's sort of like that that part of me that comes out as a filmmaker—that you're creating magic, you know. So, I—I um, I don't know. I—I don't, I don't, I can't pinpoint just one thing. So,
0: and how did you guys meet?
2: Choir, choir. <laughs> cool. We both went to First Baptist Church. Um, I think it was really about high school when we started to get to know each other a little bit, and we had some mutual friends who were good friends and. So the choir at First Baptist here in Pensacola, they'll do these choir tours every summer. And usually you'll end up staying at these host homes, and you'll have your one buddy, and that's the guy you always stay with every night. Mm -hmm. So one or two years I was with Zach. And um, every year they, they do this thing where you have to show up on time in the morning, or you get fined like a quarter for every couple of minutes that you're late. So all the previous years when I was had different roommates, we were always on time, no problems. But that year that I was with Zach, we got a fine every morning. It was, it was an expensive year for you that year. I mean, we're only talking like a couple of quarters, but still.
0: That's funny. So you guys meeting through choir, how did you guys discover that you both wanted to make movies? Was it just through random conversation?
1: I... It's hard to, I don't know exactly where that came about. Um, at the time at First Baptist while I was there, I was actually doing um, media production there. And um, somehow or another had recruited Jeff for a couple of projects
2: I was working on. Yeah, that must have been what it was. He was doing some basically volunteer video stuff. Just, okay. I don't know that anybody even asked you to do it. It was more just for fun. Well, at, at one point I was being paid. And then, oh. and then later,
1: it just became for fun, I suppose. But um, yeah, I was doing editing and the live broadcasts and things like that. So, um, and then I explored into some ideas of coming up with some actual productions. And so, at some point, recruited him. I think partly because of his drawing skills for drawing storyboards and things like that. Um, and he is awesome, awesome at at
2: storyboards. You're kind. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when I was at film school, uh, we had to do a thesis film our third year, and so I called up Zach here in Pensacola. You know, I'm in California, and I call him up, and I say, hey, would you be interested in doing the score for this film, like writing the music for it? And I think that's really kind of how we reconnected, because I moved back shortly after that. So he did the music for it, and then I, I came back, and then... It seemed like almost as soon as I was back, we were talking about making a movie.
0: That's awesome. That's really cool. And mentioning the doing church videos for fun, that was some of the first video work that I did, because I went to school here for film production. Okay. And we used to go to this yearly church event in Panama City called Meltdown. Okay. And... I knew that you know I wanted to do some type of video documenting our trip, so I borrowed a friend's camera, and we filmed probably like an hour's worth of stuff. I filmed some of the speaking engagements and some of the fun stuff that we would do. Right. We just do the weirdest random stuff. like We would interview people with a cat puppet.
1: <laughs> nice. No
0: idea why we did that. <laughs> but I remember making it in... Uh, I used Sony Vegas at the time to edit... And I made this movie trailer with the the following previews been approved for da da da, and I remember showing it to them because they thought I was just gonna put like the footage on a DVD and they just flipped out like they were <laughs> jumping around my room screaming like five year old kids and just doing stuff like that really is kind of what got me going as far as you know wanting to make films goes right. And I think it's cool because, you know, you with your uh, drawing and you making storyboards and you with your music, you guys can really kind of do a lot of things between the two of you. So the film we were primarily going to talk about, Fidelity, what was the inspiration for that?
2: I think originally the idea was that we wanted to make a film that would be in the same genre as a feature film that we wanted to make. Mm -hmm. So we had worked for a while on a feature film idea and ended up with a script except it seemed a little too big, a little too ambitious at the time. Did you guys
0: write the script?
2: We did. Yeah. Um, And uh, we had even scouted out some locations for it and thought about some casting options. I mean, um and i think we're going to do it it's just a matter of time but so we thought well maybe we can have something that sort of serves as a showpiece and is similar in genre and that genre i think at the time was a, a little more sci-fi than maybe we ended up with in fidelity but there's still sort of an aspect of that it's a little weird it's not just a straight drama there's some some weird stuff in there <laughs>
1: Right. It, it's just the combination of those two genres of drama plus some weird
2: element to it.
0: And what exactly is the movie about? Like a spoiler-free synopsis of it.
2: It's about a married guy who lives in a high-rise apartment complex. And he, by chance, meets this woman who has just moved into the apartment complex. And ends up spending a little bit too much time with her. And um, that leads to uh, a scenario that's not really good for his marriage.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And you know how does that play out with his wife, and how does it play out with that woman that he's met? And um, there's a few weird things in there that you're kind of like, what else is going on here? But it it ties back together, and it it does make sense. There's a lot of stuff like, is this going on in his head? Going on in his head, or is it real?
0: So it's got a little bit of a psychological aspect to it
2: yeah um, we don't we don't think it's a whole lot of fun to just make something that's a drama that's
0: <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's true that's very true So going through fidelity like what what was the process of making it and you know for a lot of people that might not know it being independent filmmakers as opposed to making a movie like for Fox or for Paramount, what's the process that an indie filmmaker goes through to get a movie off the ground?
1: Well, one of the first steps, obviously, is just the idea, you know, and getting that out on paper. Um, We actually went through several evolutions of an idea and wound up completely tearing it apart and starting from scratch all over again. And I think that's an important part uh, to remember that you've got to get it on paper, you've got to get it out. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're committed to that idea. Um, An idea, once you see it and think through it, you might decide, there's no way we're going to do this. This isn't a good idea. Um, So, you know, ideas are good, but they're not always great. And then you have to be willing to let it go and start over. So I think that was really a a great part of the process because if we had stuck with the original idea I don't think it would have been as good as what we wound up with
2: yeah and I I wrote a script that I want to say was something like 35 pages Mm -hmm. and then I I wanted some professional advice Um, so I I called up Tom Roush who was the film commissioner here in Pensacola for a while and I said Would you mind just reading through this and giving me your thoughts on it? And the one main thing that came out of that, I think he said, this could be 10 minutes. Mm. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know that that's possible. (laughs) But I ended up cutting out, I think, almost 10 pages. So the script was a lot closer to 25 in the end. And even though the final film is almost 40 minutes, um, it it really was fluff. I mean, it was just sort of the same ideas you know just redundancy and stuff like that and that that helped a lot there was also a lot of stuff that was effects heavy in Mm -hmm. that script and we realized that that could probably be pared down to about one fifth of what I originally wrote and still have the same kind of impact you know still have some scary stuff and still be weird
1: so you have to start looking at things on the practical level of, you know, well, all right, now we've got a good idea, but can we execute it well? And if we can't, then we're just going to have to scrap that. You know, I mean, it's great sometimes to take risks as a, as a filmmaker and, and explore and try new things. But at the same time, you you want to stick with them what you can do and do well. Um, because that's what this is really about for us. We were really trying to demonstrate
2: our ability as filmmakers. I think when Zach reads a script, he sees dollars. <laughs> 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 he, he he reads it very differently from the way that I, I read a script. Yeah, he, just, he sees it in a more practical way. Is this even possible?
1: So Jeff comes to me and he says, I've got this great idea and it's going to be in a high-rise apartment complex. And my first thought was, where is this going to be filmed <laughs> you know and uh so that was a major um uh part of going forward with that is how on earth are we going to accomplish that and um <clears throat> because another element to it is okay if we're going to do this in an apartment complex which we don't have access to or anything like that how are we going to make the set appear to be
2: comparable to
1: each room
2: you know i mean it's got to at least
1: feel like it's in the same building
2: and there are a significant number of scenes that take place in an elevator
0: really
1: right so it would be one thing to say all right we'll film some of it at my house film some at your house and we'll just call it an apartment well that just wasn't going to work so ultimately we decided on building a set and uh, so that was a major undertaking something i've never done i don't know if you had done much of that right before so um trying to start from scratch building a set was just a new new world for both of us was
0: that the hardest process of the whole making the whole movie
1: i don't know if it was the hardest process but it was certainly a difficult task um uh, you know i'm I'm not a construction worker but you know so I, I I mean i'm working on very limited knowledge on building things like that so <laughs> um, but we wound up building some form of a ragtag (laughs)
2: set. I feel like the hardest part is not knowing if it's going to succeed. Mm -hmm. Because having never built a set and having never made anything that I think was more than 15 minutes, and we're looking at something that we know is at least 25 minutes. So it's basically twice as big as anything we've ever done. And that's just really scary. Like, is that even possible to pull off? So instead of you know taking two days off from work to shoot it we're taking off a full week Mm -hmm. and it ended up being a lot more than a full week but (laughs) that was the original idea so yeah it's all those unknowns i mean i think if if we said let's make another movie that's 40 minutes long i would be a lot less afraid going into it i just go in with a lot more confidence
0: Mm -hmm. because now you've done it so you know the process of how it goes but Sometimes that's part of the fun with doing that type of stuff is the risk.
1: Oh, absolutely. Right. And we learned so much through this particular project. Um, Aside from the set building, then we moved into things like green screen to extend the set. And that was also an avenue that neither of us had explored much of. I mean, it's one thing to understand how that works. It's another thing to try to fit that into... Uh, your movie and make it look realistic you know Mm -hmm. um and so we had some difficulty with things like tracking the camera movement and all of that sort of thing so that wound up becoming a huge learning curve in the post-production aspect where we spent
0: more than a year or so (laughs) or plus
2: (laughs) it was a long time it it was way too long
0: (laughs) something i i've never really delved into when doing these type of interviews is casting with being an indie filmmaker like what what's the casting process like when you you know you write a script like when you wrote the script did you have specific people that you had in mind for the different roles or is it just an audition process and you know, whoever's the best at it gets the part b <laughs> i'm
2: going to go b. with b on that one Oh, I've I've definitely written stuff with somebody in mind. Um, But this one, we didn't have anybody specific. We just felt like, let's just cast the net as wide as we can. And um, I think it was Anne-Marie Crouch at AMC. Mm -hmm. It took me a long time to figure out that... Oh, yeah? Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but it took me years to figure out that AMC stood for Anne-Marie Crouch. (laughs) 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 Anyway, she she, uh, sent us quite a few people to do auditions
0: yeah she's great with stuff like that
2: and i think that may have been where we first met niraj um another former I'm guest not, of mine, right? i'm not sure um, but we, we met did quite a few people we found michelle process. through that mm-hmm. uh, michelle rhodes
1: and i had worked with christina on another film of carrie hunter's Mm-hmm. Um, sometime before. Name dropping. That's right. It's crazy,
0: like, <laughs> pretty much all of those people I've had on the show before. So, right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Christina Cusack. And um, she, she was amazing. And personally for me, I kind of had her in my mind when we were looking at some of these characters. Um, but of course, it still does depend on how the audition process goes, even if you have someone in mind. But in this particular movie, we had... A, we, we found a male that we thought was going to be perfect for the role. And right about perhaps two weeks up to the shoot, he tells us that he had some conflict and couldn't do it. This is two weeks before. We've got all of these preparations made, everything lined up, and we've taken off from work and things like that. There was no way we could change the schedule. It was locked in. Right. And so... We're at a panic here. I mean, of course, we had auditioned some other other guys, but nothing that really stuck with us like some person else that we had in mind. So then Jeff proposes, "Well, perhaps maybe I could take this role." <laughs> and my first reaction was, um, "I don't, I don't know about that." <laughs> Um, But he wound up auditioning himself on... He recorded himself on camera and showed it to me, and um, we talked through the idea of him doing it and wound up settling on that. Settling,
0: yes. (laughs) it's like that old saying goes, if you want something done, do it yourself.
2: That's right. Well, the the consensus in the room after watching the audition was, you're not great, but you're satisfactory.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like, well, I didn't suck, so... (laughs) So, um, how how important has social media been with promoting your work? Because, say, 10 to 20 years ago, if you wanted to make a film yourself, you wouldn't have things like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you know, things to promote your product. How beneficial has that been?
1: Well, I think it has. I mean, the world has changed quite a bit. We started in 2007 and at that time um even we we filmed our first movie in high def and it wasn't even full 1080p i think it was like i don't i don't even know what that was, it was like 1080 by 1144 i don't know some odd figure um but the camera we had borrowed from someone it was so ridiculously expensive from our point of view anyway <laughs> and uh and so the idea of even doing something high def was Was I mean, we were pushing the envelope. Um, My computer crashed several times. In fact, we we couldn't even find a computer to edit with at that point just because that was sort of cutting-edge technology. And it's weird to think about that 1080p is cutting-edge, but it was at that point. And uh, so moving now into YouTube and so forth and putting videos out there and Facebook and whatnot, um, I feel like that we're in a in the right time you know whereas maybe 15 years ago it would have been really really challenging i think Mm -hmm. so
2: yeah clearly the audience is more fickle like i mean they'll watch your thing and be done with it and move on to the next just because there's so much out there now so much more media and there's a lot to stimulate yourself with yeah um but i don't know
0: that we could reach nearly as many people as quickly for sure yeah, it, and you mentioning that because I you know I've promoted stuff myself and then they'll watch it or listen to it and then like you said they'll move on to the next thing because the the contrast to the positives is that there's so many things out there that people are trying to do that you it makes it more challenging to really stand out because they'll look at something and be like okay and then Move on, so it it definitely makes it harder in some ways, but it's such a good way to promote stuff like i couldn't be doing this show without social media
1: right, well, the technology has just enabled all of us to get into these fields that weren't really attainable, you and know. some
0: people make movies with their iphones right
1: it's incredible,
0: yeah, yeah,
2: there was a period of probably three or four years where I felt like I was really freaking out about the fact that, wow, anybody can do this now, then there's no way that I'll ever be successful. I mean, if anybody can do it and you just do it on your phone, just make a movie. And, um, I think over time I just kind of came to the conclusion that it was really the, the content and the idea and the story that would make someone stand out. And yeah, we haven't made money off of it, But I do feel like the films we have made are good. And I'm not ashamed to show them to someone. I mean, we're going to show them to people. (laughs) Well, he's hitting on another idea, which is,
1: you know, sometimes, especially with some of the younger um, people out there who are getting into this work right now, you're inclined to think, well, what you should do is make a short that's a viral video. So you get the millions and millions of hits, which is particularly easy to do you don't really have to come up with any production you just have to come up with something that's crazy interesting or or whatever you know and so sometimes when we're proposing the idea that we're going to make a 10 minute short um you get a reaction like well that's just way too long you know it should just be a minute, you know, or something like that. Cause you're thinking, that's what I want. We need this out there on YouTube just to spread like wildfire. Mm-hmm. But as a filmmaker, what we're trying to do is tell a complete story from beginning, middle, and end, you know, and that uh, it sometimes doesn't compute, um, but I think it does translate to hon- honing your skills as mm-hmm. a storyteller. And that's really what the game is about, I believe.
2: Yeah, we've not not been prolific with what we've done but i i feel really proud of the the few films that we have made mm-hmm. um yeah i mean whenever i get a chance to show them to somebody I'd be like hey watch this i think you'll really like it are your films online well they were they were, they were. Uh, up until this event we
1: have removed them oh okay not all of them were on there but several okay yeah. cool.
0: very good. and you know I I said, you know, people can make movies with their iPhones. Like anybody can buy a camera and shoot stuff, but to me there's a difference between buying a camera and just pointing and shooting and actually going through the process of coming up with an idea and making something that's, you know, really good content. So there there's to me is still that difference. Like it's I say anybody can do it, but I guess what I'm really trying to say is not anybody can really do it. Anybody can get the tools. Right. It's just knowing what to do with them.
1: Well, and at the same time, part of you—you're always going to be mimicking what you see. I mean, there's—I don't think there's any way to, as an artist, to avoid being influenced by other art. That's all
0: about taking pre-existing things and putting your own twist on them,
1: right? Um, But I think at the same time, you don't want to duplicate something entirely. So you've got to create something new and unique. So that's a challenge that's hard to do
0: definitely so so you guys are actually having a premiere for fidelity which i think is awesome i I love movie premieres and hearing that you know a locally filmed independent film is having a premiere i think is really really cool so what are the details like how can people go to the premiere where's it going to be and all that fun stuff
2: the premiere is going to be at pensacola little theater Monday, August 17th at 7 p.m. And we're not just premiering Fidelity. We're showing five films.
0: Oh, very cool.
2: The first three are films that have been out there on YouTube. But they haven't been seen by a large audience. And we just thought that'd be more fun. and Or,
1: or on a screen that big. So that'd be fun, too. <laughs> yes, yes.
2: And so we're actually premiering two films. One is called Expiration Date. And it's a short comedy that revolves around some milk that's um, about to go bad. (laughs) And then... um, I love it already. And then Fidelity, which is like complete opposite tonally, which is a drama. And so um, between each of these films, um, for those who can come, we're going to have some short Q&As with some of the actors who were involved. And that may not happen for each of the films, but those who do come... Um, I just I just thought that'd be fun. It's not going to be long. It'd be, you know, ask a couple questions mm-hmm. and d- you know, don't expect to like learn in depth on the process. It's just sort of like you just saw this this guy in a movie and now here he is. And I think that's I think that's fun to do. And so um, you can buy tickets right now online at films.yapsity.com. And everyone asks me, "How do you spell Yapsody?" It's Y A P S O D Y. Films com. So you can buy them online, or you can uh, show up at the event and buy a ticket right there. Door the doors open at seven, and we're probably going to start the movies right at about seven thirty. And awesome. I'm yeah, I'm really excited about it. Just getting. To have an audience see the films, that's, that really thrills me when people laugh when they're supposed to laugh. So we're hoping for that.
0: Right. <laughs> I imagine you guys will be pretty pumped up when when the doors open because that's, that's got to be really cool. And I, I, I will say I will be there. I'm very interested to see it, so I will definitely be there. Sweet. Well, looking yeah. forward to seeing it I'm, there. I'm glad you are coming. Absolutely. Yeah. Well... I wanted to thank both of you guys for uh, taking the time to do the interview. It was a lot of fun. This was great.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you um, having us on your show.
0: Absolutely. My thanks again to both Jeffrey Frame and Zach Kepner for coming on the show. And don't forget, if you're in the Pensacola area, be sure to go out to Pensacola Little Theater on August 17th for the premiere of their film, Infidelity. Next week, we will be taking a trip back to the 90s with my very special guest, Karen Parsons. And you might know her better as Hillary Banks from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And trust me, you will definitely want to check out that episode. And don't forget to check out all of our shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and NerdCaveNetwork.com. Every Tuesday, we have the NerdCave podcast. Thursdays, we have the Derek Diamond Experience. And every Saturday night at 8 o'clock Central Time, We have the Pop Culture Palette. And that's all I've got, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another fantastic episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys next Thursday with Karen Parsons.